Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. My guest today is Sorel. Sorel is a presenter, podcaster, actor, and comedy star of TikTok with over 1 million combined followers. Originally from Zimbabwe, Sorel moved to England when she was four, and she started her career as a trained actress. She has starred in the one-woman play Funeral Flowers, a 26-show run at Edinburgh Fringe with her show Knock Knock, and most recently has made a TV debut in Smothered, which has just been released on Sky Comedy. She is probably best known as one half of the critically acclaimed podcast Closet Confessions with Candice Brathwaite, which has taken the podcast world by storm as one of the biggest shows of 2023. As a presenter, Sorel has hosted numerous events and red carpets, including the TikTok red carpet coverage for some of the biggest UK premieres and the legend stage for TikTok's Eurovision 2023 coverage. Her uplifting topical commentary skewers everything from celeb culture to politics and all with her trademark warmth and realness. And I'm so excited to hear all about her sliding doors moments. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Sorel. I'm really glad to have you on today. You're such a busy woman that it's brilliant to have your time. No, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I can't wait. I This podcast is, I think, one of them that like talks about like the poignant moments in life. And I yes. love having a deep chat. So yes. yeah, I'm very We're going to have a deep chat. And some people will know you best as Coco Sorel. So I wanted to just find out where did that name come from? 
That name came from a 14-year-old girl in Coventry who was sick and tired of people not being able to say Sorel. Um, basically, I grew up in a predominantly white area and mm. I heard every variation of my name. Sarol, Sorrel, Sarol, all of it. Yeah. And then I was like, I really don't like this. So I called myself Coco Sorel and I would write Coco because I thought of what rhymes with Sorel, Chanel rhymes with Sorel, Coco Chanel, Coco Sorel. It's it's a whole thing. But I felt like it helped people subconsciously say the name correctly. Ah. And then it's just stuck. I haven't been able to shake it. I'm trying to shake it. <laughs> so you become an adult. You're like, I need to be more like adult, exactly. adulty now. Um, exactly. But do some people call you Coco? They do. They really? do. And it's fine. I mean, it's it's totally fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think I want to have my Beyonce moment now. Because, yeah. you know, she was like Beyonce Knowles and now she's just Beyonce. I want to be Sorrel. Yeah, and just Sorrel. No, I love yeah. it. And if you look on Sorrel's website, she is just Sorrel. So yes. I love that. Um, <laughs> so you wear a lot of different hats in your career, in your life. You're an actor, a presenter, a podcaster. But how would you describe yourself to someone? Oh, good question. I feel like I battle with this all the time. Um... I would say I am first and foremost a creative. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I realized early on that putting a label to me actually isn't the best idea because I will go against that label. So if you call me an actor, I want to present. If you call me a presenter, I'm going to want to start doing artistry. Just don't put a label (laughs) because I'm going to go against it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but I, I'm a, I'd say I'm a creative um, who specialises in ABCD. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that, you know, we can use that umbrella term these days because it is, it's the creative industries of what we do. Mm. And it is in like, we, a lot of people now don't just wear one hat, they wear so many. And it's amazing to see that we can like live our lives through all these different careers. And um, so do you feel like now is your time? I feel like at the moment things are just blowing up for you. I feel like I see you everywhere. You're doing everything. Does it feel like there's been a shift and kind of like you feel like it's your time at the moment? I feel like I am reaping the rewards of the eight to 10 year grind I did. Which people um, never see, do they? They think it's no just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it seems like, oh my God, all these things are coming out of nowhere. But like, there were so many no's before mm-hmm. the yeses, like countless amounts of no's to the point where I quit acting twice. I was like, I'm never going to present again after one really bad um, situation that happened. Like, There's so many yeah. negatives that have happened, but they've led me to where I am. I don't think necessarily, I feel like now I'm on the treadmill of, the work I've done but I don't think this is I've got like really crazy big dreams like I'm a big dreamer you have to you know so yeah we'll we're we're working towards those dreams but as as we get there like each time I get a job or I get something I'm just like oh my god this is this is crazy um but I think yeah it's the the eight ten years that I put in that I'm kind of now reaping the benefits of yeah you're climbing the mountain Climbing a mountain, yeah. climbing a mountain. Yeah. And no one wants to peak too early. That's never. boring. No, never. Never. And we were actually just talking about your new TV show. Um, yes. And that must have been a really exciting experience for you. Oh, that was one of the most fun experiences, like, 
ever. Like the whole thing was new for me as well because I've been acting for many, many years, but I was mainly theatre based. Um, so this was my first like long series TV debut type thing. And I'm on set with like seasoned professionals who I am just taking mental notes from at all times. I'm watching scenes I have, I'm not even in. I'm I'm just in there Sucking like a child, yeah. literally. Um, but I'm really excited for it to come out. I think, I think it's very, um, I think it's very relatable and I think it's very current. And I think a lot of people, when they watch it, they'll be like, oh, this is exactly what dating in London at the moment is like. And it, it could be London, it could be New York, it could be wherever, but it's very much, yeah, it's no, current. Definitely. So you've spoken a lot about the kind of like eight to 10 year grind that you've been doing behind the scenes. And I want to know, what was your childhood like? What were you like growing up? Did you always want to be an actress? Um, you know, what were you like at school? Just tell us a mm. bit about what Sorrel was like when she was younger. Um, I would say I, I had a childhood that was overall fun, loving, um, beautiful, great memories. Um, but when you look, back at it in hindsight you then see there was actually kind of a lot happening mm-hmm. um I moved from Zimbabwe came to the UK then I lived in Coventry well I lived in London then I lived in Birmingham then I lived in Coventry so there was a lot of house moving while my parents settled um and I moved like I said into predominantly white areas so growing up there was a lot of like identity issues for me yeah. um but I always knew I wanted to entertain um I used to love watching tv Disney Channel was my oh yeah oh my god like I watched That's So Raven I watched Sister Sister I watched Keenan and Care like like all of them the classics I still watch Sister Sister now I'm gonna admit it yeah (laughs) so good so so good um and I would be soaked in these worlds and I was like I really want to do this because I loved watching them and then you know back in the day everybody had one tv in the house yeah so my family's all watching it with me and I can hear my mom laughing and I can hear my dad laughing and I was like I want to be an entertainer I want to put smiles on people's faces um I would say it took a it took a little while to get me out of my shell primary school I was quite sheltered Mm -hmm. and like quite shy and reserved and I I don't know I just I yeah I, I didn't really know who I was yeah quote, which unquote. none of us really do at that age I mean even now do I even know myself yeah. I don't <laughs> do we it's ever? a whole thing yeah. Yeah, honestly <laughs> um but I remember picking my secondary school and thinking to myself like okay I'm gonna have a rebrand like I'm gonna go in I'm gonna be confident I'm gonna be like they don't know Sarah like I didn't yeah. go to school I didn't go to secondary school with anyone from primary school I kind mm-hmm. of was like no one is gonna know me I'm gonna start afresh and I was very like I made sure I made a point of being the version of me that I knew I was, but I never had a chance to showcase. Yeah. But I loved, you know, drama. I loved anything that was creative. I did textiles. I did art, like all of that fun stuff. Um, I also really like maths. Yes, me too. I love math. I think when you like maths, it means you're quite a logical person. I've realized in life Like you like, you love things that have an answer. Yes. 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 I loved maths. Um, I would say I kind of had a bit of a... English was my weakest point because I was dyslexic, Mm -hmm. but I had been told I was dyslexic, but again, African parents don't believe in dyslexia. So it was a whole thing. Uh Yeah. 
my dad told me to read more yeah there we go that'll help it um, yeah and, and like you know listen I think when we're younger sometimes our parents especially kind of like back in the day you know if you said you wanted to like you know act or be a singer or a pop star we weren't kind of welcomed with the best responses from our parents so what were your parents like like did they encourage you did it take a while to get them to really realize that you were being serious I hid it from them for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I took GCSE drama, my parents just kind of thought, oh, she just likes the subject, but she doesn't want to do it past drama. When I did it at A-levels, uh, I basically told both my parents that I want to be an actress. I want mm-hmm. to do it for my A-levels. And my dad was very supportive, very, very supportive. And he, he's, he, he believes in creativity so much. Yeah. And he's like, it's funny because people think like you're either academic or you're creative. And he was like, and that's not the case. He was no. like, there's a lot of academia and creativity actually go hand in hand yes. because some of the smartest people have to have that creativity to be inventors, mm-hmm. to be innovators. Like you need creativity. So he was just like, absolutely like go for it. My mother, um, <laughs> my, my, <laughs> there's always one parent. Always there's always one. one. My mom, told me that I should do law mm-hmm. and she was like I think you should be a lawyer I think you'd be a great lawyer I failed dismally at A-level law I got an ungradable I got a U as in like <laughs> the examiner looked at my piece of paper and he said I don't know what to do with this this isn't this isn't something I can grade um and I think once I failed in first year A-level my mom kind of conceded and was like well it is what it is. And then from that point, they were very supportive. They and listen, you tried. Pro- yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You did try. Exactly. And do you remember what it was like when you did get your first proper acting job? So after I did my postgrad training, I got an ad for something, which that just puts money in the account, you know. And then straight after I did the Vault Festival, um, and I did a, a show called Literati, Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember walking to the rehearsal room with a backpack and coffee I'd made and I was just like welling up because I was yeah. like oh my like 13 year old me would scream right now like I remember just walking down that street like this is the craziest thing ever oh, that yeah. I have because so many of us who want to be actors or creatives don't end up making it yeah um for whatever reason society life whatever happens but I was just like I I did it like damn so yeah that was it it was quite a surreal moment and I do do remember thinking wow yeah this is intense I love that you remember that because it's true like we do have to remember these things and sometimes you kind of have to take it back to your younger self or the dreamer in you and be like you know we can we take things for granted because we're just running 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 and actually when you take that moment and you you probably still pinch me every time you do anything or I definitely do um and I wanted to chat to you because we've actually had Candice and Bode on the podcast Um, so I feel like maybe you're like you know the third third wheel of the relationship Um, and you guys are doing so so well with your podcast um closet confessions and I really wanted to know how did you guys meet and how did you come up with the idea of the podcast oh my gosh so basically Candice was on a management team and then I joined the management so she'd been at them for years then I joined um we're under the same managing house, but different managers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been following Candice for many years, uh, you know, 
for all things fashion and manifestation yeah. and all that fun stuff. Um, and our our managers were like, I think these two would really get along, like really? from what we know. So they invited us to dinner. They left. We stayed. Um, and we just kept talking, kikiing. And then we realized as I was leaving that, because I was like, oh, I've got to go home, da, da, da. And she was like, oh, what station are you going to? I can drop you at the station in my car. And I was like, I'm going to Milton Keynes. And she was like, I live in Milton Keynes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Meant <laughs> and to we be. Live, it meant to be. We live like 12 minutes away from each other. So that's how we met. And then from then till now, it has just become this amazing that but that's like that is a sliding doors moment you know that's like if you hadn't have been in that management team if they hadn't yeah. have suggested that you guys meet and look what's come out of it and like the success is incredible and also you know the power of podcasting is is how many people you're inspiring and are listening to you and what really is kind of what does the show mean to you and what is your mission with the show oh gosh <sighs> closet confessions is our baby mm. i think we we were had we had an, ep- an episode actually that we we've just recorded where we spoke about how for a long time we felt like outsiders looking in. Mm-hmm. We we're, we're never really the quote unquote cool, cool girls or the we, we're quirky. We're we're odd. We enjoy being quirky and odd, but we never fully fit into anywhere, and we're kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. And we feel like we've created a space for a lot of quirky, odd, misfit ish like people to just be unapologetically themselves and be okay with that um I think community is a big thing Mm -hmm. I mean me and Candice are both two black women who when we're talking about community especially in the field of work that we're we're in it's so isolating sometimes definitely so when we found each other, it was like, it only makes sense to open this up yes. <laughs> so everyone can partake in this because this feels great. Um, but I think the end goal with Closet Confessions is to be a better version of yourself at the end of each episode than you were at the beginning. And that doesn't mean you're completely healed or you've completely sorted out the traumas it means you've listened to something you've heard a perspective you've learned some steps and now you've made a decision that off of the back of this episode you're going to try and be your best self yes and yeah I think if we can if we can do that and inspire whoever's listening we we feel would be very very proud of ourselves that, I mean sometimes it's even just one person if you've got, had the power one. to affect their life and you know if I think we all have this perception that you know nobody feels the same way that we do and that you know when we see confident people and we see other people we're like oh how do they do what they do but everybody has an insecurity everybody feels something as you said like you and Candice both felt this way but actually so do so many people and so it's, many. it's amazing that you've brought this community of people together um and I really just hope you guys continue doing what you're doing because again I can like see from your face it lights up when you talk about it it's the same with me in this show like it it does bring this kind of special energy to you that does feel like your baby and it's a creative outlet that is just so wonderful to be able to do um have you had any pinch me moments so far in your career where you sit there and you're like I mean I know you said like your first acting job but is there any any time where you've been like how on earth am I here absolutely 
<laughs> have I? <laughs> that is hilarious. Like, pinch, 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 pinch. Literally. Um, I think what's funny as well is like I, in my career, I leave my house in Milton Keynes and I go to these star-studded events. I'm brushing shoulders with like the who's who and the what's what. And what's hilarious is I leave that and I come back to Milton Keynes and I watch Coronation Street. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it, that's what makes the juxtaposition so crazy for me. So I will always have pinch me moments because I have both sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, but I think one of, I mean, there's there've been a few, but I, I was able to interview Viola Davis, who's one of oh, my biggest role models. She's amazing. And, I just, I, I, I love everything about her, her career, her spirit, everything about her, but speaking to her, you just, she feels like a warm hug. I bet. I don't know how to explain it, but that's the best way to describe her. She feels like a warm hug. And, um, yeah, she just, she, she's, she's, she's great to talk to. The BAFTAs came and they were like, Hey, can you do something for us? Um, on and present for us an interview and I'm like me on the official baptist what like it's there's just there's so there's too many to mention yeah um there's too many to mention and I think also I always say with the people who I because there's kind of like a group of us who started doing content creating around the pandemic so we all kind of know one another and we see each other at events mm-hmm. and every time I I see one of them I just I say to them, I remember your videos and this is where you yes. were. The, your room looked like this. You, you, I remember your mum walking in and out. Like, And they're like, me too, I remember your videos and the, the curtains look like this. And then it's like, and here we are. Like, this is crazy. But you're humble and you're authentic and you do appreciate where you are. And I think that comes across so much. And that's why I think people do but that kind of, for me, it kind of draws the line between success and times and just people that want to do it to be famous. Like you really mm. appreciate how far you've come. And I love the fact that you met your hero and she was how you expected it to be. Cause the worst is if you do and they're not. So I'm really glad that she was exactly what you expected. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest worry of everything. That's kind of the biggest worry with these pinch me moments. And before we go on to talking about your sliding doors moments, I wanted to know what are your thoughts when it comes to the sliding doors theory? So this theory of timing, everything happening for a reason, um, coincidence, fate, what do you believe in? I 100% believe in timing and everything happening for a reason. And um, I mean, I, I'm off, I come from like a Christian, very Christian background. Um, but I would say whatever you believe in, or if you, you know, just believe in the concept itself, knowing and understanding that if there is a blessing for you and you feel like you've missed it, that's not how blessings work. I think people are often caught up with the idea of like, I was meant to do this at this point and I got a no. And it's like, it will circle, with me and Candy say all the time, it will circle mm-hmm. around the block. It's what's meant for you is for you. It's almost like there's like a stamp. You know, when you send like a letter out, there's mm-hmm. like a stamp, it's meant for you. And even if you're not home the first time or it goes to the neighbor the second yes. time or it gets read it will come to you because it's for you. So I 100% believe in like, everything happens for a reason. I love that analogy. Like it's so true. It is, but it's a really good outlook. And I think that, I think we get, we get these thoughts on the theory as we get older and we get experiences happen. And it, it's, it's, 
it's such a good way to think because if we didn't think that way, you know, you're just going to go down a negative spiral where actually we've got to know that sometimes the things that are meant for us might happen at different times than we think. Um, and it does take time to kind of live your life by that. And do you feel like it, like as you've kind of got older and had more experience, you're, you're more at ease with knowing that that's kind of what, how things happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think when you're young or younger, you're thinking about a million and one things and that no will push you over the edge. You're like, oh my God, like, let me go cry in the shower for the next 20 minutes because I just got a no. (laughs) You're like, it's Um, the worst thing in the world. (laughs) And then I think what ends up happening is you start realizing that, I, I always say it's not, it's not, it's not, a no it's redirection Mm -hmm. or it's it's putting you in a place sometimes you can't get what you need right now because you're actually not mentally emotionally spiritually ready to receive that so you have to go through this weird little tunnel and get to the other end of it and then you can receive that in its entirety and you'll fully enjoy and appreciate it for what it is you know definitely you've got to be ready for it I 100% agree with that Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And we'll go on to talking about your sliding doors moment. So your first one is my parents moving from Zimbabwe to the UK. So this is a really big life-changing moment for you. And it's actually based on a decision that was made by your parents. So it's kind of like their sliding doors moment, but kind of really affects you and your whole life. So you're, they're kind of the moment, but then actually you're the product of the moment and kind of what's happened since then. So explain what brought them to the UK and why this is such a sliding doors moment for you. Um, what brought them to the UK was they were both working in Zimbabwe and some, my dad did like, called it economics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he did that. And, um, he's very good with numbers and he can kind of see the trajectory of the economy because of that's what he studied. So anyway, he was working, working, working. And then he was like to my mom, the economy is going to go downhill. I can feel it. We should leave Zimbabwe before it completely plummets while we still have good money and we can travel 
and set up abroad. And my mum was kind of like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. And my dad was like, trust me, it's going to happen. Anyways, he sets up the arrangements and he goes to the UK first. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, three, four months later, more rumblings are happening and it's like, the economy is crashing. Yeah. So then like, I my mum... So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then my mum travels with me and my little brother um, and we end up in the middle of like London... Croydon we the house we lived in was was shared by my mum and her like five siblings who all had families respectively so there was five families living in one house and the way they would work around the bed situation was during the day some adults would sleep and kids would go to school kids come back the adults who are asleep have cooked dinner they now go and do the night shift the night shift adults from the other one come back and they sleep with the kids so constantly it was like a revolving door of people every bedroom floor every floor in the house was covered with a blanket and a pillow at some point and we lived like that for like six months and how old were you i was about four and a half five years old um and you know, it was it was fun. You know, I, I don't know any different. Like I said, it's only when you look back in retrospect and you're like, yeah, okay, exactly. that was unhinged behaviour from everyone. <laughs> but, but kids just but, think it's fun. They're like, my cousin, fun. sleep over yeah. every night. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. My auntie cooks for me one day and I love the way she cooks pasta and the other one cooks for me the other day. I love yeah. the way she cooks rice. This is great. Um, and we, we did that for six months. My parents kind of gathered enough money to like um, move out. Um, bearing in mind they're doing jobs that have nothing to do with their qualifications mm-hmm. um you know I think my dad was working as like a warehouse worker and then he did a carer at another point like they've done various jobs anyway they pick us up and we moved to another place in London for like a month the landlord was hell and then we moved to Birmingham in Birmingham again my parents are doing whatever and my dad gets an offer at Coventry University to go and study he goes to Coventry University he takes us and my mum and we settle in Coventry we're like this is the place we really mm-hmm. like it and I think the reason for me why this is like a sliding doors moment is because I always think about what my life would look like were I not or had I not grown up in the United Kingdom yeah like I said I think all the how can I put it all the 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 calling that you have in your life or the gifts and the talents that you have in your life, they don't kind of go away. So I think I would have always been a version of this. Yes. It just would have been in a different time and space and location, different sense of humour, different way of thinking, different way of speaking. Um, And it really intrigues me because I always... Sometimes, you know, I was talking about like when I was younger, I had like this big identity crisis Mm -hmm. and I I felt kind of, you know, not really connected to myself because of where I was growing up and I didn't really know who I was, blah, blah, blah. I always wonder, would that have been a different experience had I grown up in Zimbabwe around people who look like me, speak like me, et cetera, et cetera. But then also the wealth of knowledge that I learned about myself and the confidence that I learned about myself and the tenacity that I gained from the experience of growing up in Coventry might not have also been built had I 
grown up in somewhere. It's just, it's kind of like, you never know. You never know. And it's true. And it's, it's interesting to look back. And what I'm interested is, is that like, you know, I'm guessing, well, I'm just guessing this, but like when you lived in Zimbabwe when you were younger, I'm guessing you had quite a settled life in the sense of, you know, you lived in one place, your parents had the jobs that they had, you went to the school you went to, and then you moved here and you just go from like settled to just like moving around all the time. And listen, like you... As kids, we don't necessarily, you know, feel it as much, but, you know, we do feed off our parents and it must have been stressful for your parents moving around, trying to get a job until you kind of did settle in Coventry. Do you mm. think, do you think, as you say, kind of it shaped you a lot more, the fact that you did move around and you didn't just kind of live a very protected, settled life. You were moving, living with all your family, then moving to <laughs> another place and then this and that. And it, do you think that really shaped who you are today? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... Um, the fear of uh, getting up and starting afresh doesn't exist in my head because yeah. I've never known I've never known security mm-hmm. in the sense that yes, in Zimbabwe we had a great life. I went to private school growing up, like I, we fantastic, settled. You get literally thrust into the United Kingdom, and then the next day, I've gone from having a driver to getting the bus. I've gone from, and it's kind of like those polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Yes, they happened to me when I was young. And yes, you're kind of unaware, but you also are sort of cognitive to like, hold on a second. It's the time, you know, when we're that age, we're sponges. We're taking everything yeah. in. Everything is being absorbed. Um, and I think, I, yes, in, there may be moments of uncomfortability in that as you're going through it. But again, the lessons that I have learned I can do crazy things now. Like if I wanted to tomorrow pack up and move to Cuba because I want to go and start yeah. documentary filmmaking in Cuba, I will. Like nothing, mm-hmm. you can't tell me I can't because I've literally survived everything else from exactly. like the age of four, Yeah, you know? Definitely. So, yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And I do really like this moment because I think that it's it's your it's actually your dad's sliding doors moment in the sense that you know he was the one that made the decision I think there's always one person a couple that has these crazy ideas and the other one's like no what you're talking about and (laughs) it's a big big thing to have to do but it's when you're a parent and you've got kids that sliding doors decision is will trickle down to your children Mm. and in shapes their whole lives and what they do and that's why I love thinking about it because again like you know that what if question that I love asking you know as you Mm. say you still think you would have had the innate passion that you have for creativity and wanting to do stuff but do you do you think you'd still live in Zimbabwe do you think you would have got the bug to have wanted to travel like do you do you ever what do you think I'll tell you I think I know exactly I think I would have been more politically vocal mm-hmm. with my the type of content I make. Mm-hmm. Zimbabwe, um, at the time we left, up until now, has gone through many political changes. And because, unfortunately, I'm not as connected to Zimbabwe as I could have been if yeah. I'd grown up there, I kind of hear secondhand stories from cousins or family members that live there. And it, I, I'm a very passionate person. I, I have an opinion on everything and anything I think if I was living in Zimbabwe I would have been very vocal politically and probably politically active I definitely would be in like some form of public speaking situation I just don't know if I would be as jokey jokey because I feel like more of an activist oh more of an activist more of an activist yeah yeah I, I I think 
I think. Yeah, um, well, listen, in a parallel life, maybe Sorel is, is an activist in Zimbabwe. We never know. Um, but never I, know. Love, I love that moment. It's a really, really great one. And thank you for sharing it with us today. So your second moment is my decision to stay in university but commute from home. So I'm excited to hear this one because I, I don't really know where it's going to turn. So explain why you made the decision to stay at university and why this was your sliding doors moment. So, oh gosh, this one's a beefy one. So I uh, went to the University of Bedfordshire and first year of uni, I left home and I went into halls. I'm living life like a uni student you know I'm doing all the partying I'm I'm I'm, do, I'm doing everything that a uni student should yeah turning up late to lectures all of that fun stuff um second year I oh bearing in mind also for context I've grown up in a very sheltered household yes. like Christian background African parents very sheltered like I wasn't that kid who was like going out with friends or going smoking to parties in the backyard so, yeah no no boys no smoking <laughs> yeah. no nothing I was very doe-eyed and like wow like to everything when I went yeah. to uni first year happens I've kind of experienced what I've wanted to experience and got out of my system and now I'm like hey cool whatever second year comes along and I'm sort of still in that weird cycle where I'm kind of partaking in things that I actually don't find fun anymore. Like I don't find clubbing fun. I don't, I'm not really enjoying it, but I also can't fully come out of it. And I'm also struggling with, at that time, I wanted to have a really close relationship with God. Like yeah. I felt that first year I'd kind of like drifted rebelled. from the Lord. Yes. I'd rebelled. Um, so I'm at this like weird crossroads of like every, all the things that I define, define myself as a conflicting um and basically what I did was I I went to the Lord and I was like hey Jesus uh basically I don't know what to do so these are the options either I'm going to drop out of uni and I'm going to go into full-time ministry as in like really pastor Sorel wow preacher Sorel okay you would have been good about it? just saying, yeah, I can actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna be full-time preacher. Specifically, I really was into like um helping young people and women mm -hmm. with their journeys in Christ and contemporary Christians. Like, anyways, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Or I stay in uni and you help me ground myself that I can come out of these weird cycles that I can't seem to come out of like the partying and the friends who were doing the this and the that and I'm yeah. kind of just ending up in these places that I don't really want to be in but yeah so I I don't know if you know much about Christianity I do a 21 day fast basically fasting the concept is you abstain from eating um for a specific amount of time and you kind of are doing it to get closer to God or to get an answer from God. I did mine for 21 days. That wasn't a dry fast. So I did eat, but yeah. I would only eat between the hours of like 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Okay, and then the rest of the time I'm fasting. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Super intense. Um, but I, was, I felt like this was like the last resort. Yeah. Anyways, at the end of the 21 day fast, I basically was like, I need answers. And I felt so... Uh, People say, like, God spoke to me. Yeah, but I think when people hear that, they think 
it's this like voice from a tree that's like it wasn't like that (laughs) at all (laughs) it was just like a feeling and a thought that wouldn't go away that I just knew felt like okay this is the step and it was basically like what you need to do in this last year is stay at home and commute into uni and if you stay disciplined in this year you're going to reap the benefits of that discipline and at the time I didn't really understand I remember like getting up at 5 a.m in the morning going to the coach getting a coach to <laughs> crazy yeah getting a coach to uni arriving at uni at 7 a.m in the morning my 9 a.m lecture was like two hours later but I couldn't get a later coach because I would have been late for yeah. that yeah and you needed to so be I'm, on time after you needed to be on time this was your year exactly I'm sat in the hallway. The lights are dim because the lights aren't on yet fully in uni. And I've got, I've got a Costa coffee. And I did this religiously for a year. I, I have never been more challenged in my third year of uni. Third year of uni. I'm writing a dissertation. I have final project due. And after all of that, I personally believe that I was blessed with the reward of graduating with the grades that I got because of the work ethic and the discipline that I put in. Um, I graduated with a first class degree and the highest in my department grade. Unheard of for someone who's basically, most of my time is on a coach. Do you know how (laughs) depressing coaches are? (laughs) Oh my gosh, especially now when it's getting dark early, I just imagine it being dark and rainy. and worst. Yeah the worst but if I hadn't done that I either would have been a preacher yeah or I would I would have failed uni I wouldn't have been able to get out of that loop I wasn't strong enough as as a person yet to pull myself out of those social scenarios or and also you you want to hang out with your friends and you want to do abcd whatever Mm. but I, I didn't have that that muscle hadn't been built yet for me to be like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to partake in that fully. Yeah. So I was, I, I, this was my sliding door moment. Wow. Cyril, this is not where I thought this moment was going to go. (laughs) I'm like, I love it when this happens because I'm so intrigued to find out more. And what an amazing story, because I just thought you were going to say, you know, I just wanted to save a bit of money. I wanted to go and live at home, but it's, it's really, it's, it's really inspiring as well, because I think, Everybody that goes to uni, unless I think you've like, I did a gap year before uni. So I kind of got all of my things out of my system in my gap year, felt much better when I went to uni, but it's a really big thing for people, especially people that are from kind of like, as you say, like a bit more of a sheltered background and haven't kind of been out in the world that much. And you're surrounded by different people. You've got no one telling you what to do. And this is why some people do kind of go off the rails at uni or don't graduate because you've got so much noise around you and you don't know how to cope. And, you know, a lot of people would not have the kind of maturity and actually what I think it comes down to is your faith I think that's where kind of faith and religion comes into it and knowing that you know there was something that you felt just was bigger in you that really needed to help you change and what a brilliant moment because 
it could it really is that split decision and it yeah. is it is I know what you mean about the it sounds weird when you say that God spoke to me or that you just felt it was right but there are times in our lives when I think we all feel like something just feels like the right thing to do we don't know yeah. why and we don't know how but it just you've got to just try it and you know what restraint you had you know at, at quite a young age as well to do that and commit to it you know most people yeah. in their third year either you know, it's not the time to kind of really kind of do that. And and the, the age that you were in, I just love thinking that, you know, you could have been a pastor or you would have been a preacher, you know, or as you say, you would have failed uni. And like, you know, if you had failed uni, how do you think that would have changed the life that you live now? If I'd have failed uni, um, if I'd have stayed in uni and failed, I would have gone down the again, the preaching route, I would have taken, and knowingly, I would have taken that as a sign of like, this isn't meant to be, it's not for you, go do this. Um, Now, whether or not if, you know, maybe I'd have been making preaching content, you know, had I gone down as a preacher, I don't know. Um, But I I remember like, vividly thinking, I want want to be creative, I want to be an actor, and I kept hearing like, all of these things that you are conflicted with, like whether to be a creative, whether to do preaching, they're all going to merge together and it's going to make sense. And I think with where I am in my career, I definitely have aspects of yeah. all these things that were like fighting one another at one moment in time. Yeah. Um, but that's why timing is so key. Timing really, is so, really so key. Is. It really is. And also the fact that you also prove to yourself that when you do dedicate yourself to something, you didn't just pass uni, you kind of passed with flying colours and got a first class degree. So again, it probably teaches you a lot of kind of life lessons. And what happened then? So you, you know, after kind of achieving that uni, what did you go on to next that kind of really showed you like I did the right thing there? Oh, so after that, I, what that taught me, sorry, that year was that hard work isn't that scary and you might you know when you go to the gym and you're working out and you're like doing your like eighth or ninth rep or whatever now you're like muscles are strained and you're like I can't do one more and then your body does one more you're like that oh. is yeah and you're like oh my god I had it in me yeah. that is the mental space I was in and once you put down the the weight at the gym that hard work is done but you've put in the hard work and now you can go home and rest yeah and I think when I left uni I was like okay I'm not afraid of hard work anymore so what am I going to do I'm going to do post-grad training I'm going to go I'm going to find a drama school that will give me a one-year course um I want to hone my craft I want to zero in it's going to have to be in London I don't have the money I don't have the capabilities really because I mean, people who go to drama school come from, you know, either they've been acting their whole lives in schools or whatever, or they are some Earl's child, you know. I I, I wasn't one of those. Um, But I knew that that was the next step. And it was a hard year. I also commuted for the first six months from Coventry to London until I found a place. Mm -hmm. I then find a place and I'm 
depressed because London is the worst place to live in ever. <laughs> no, I get it. I'm now understanding what this whole like grind was before you've got to where you are now. Like exactly. it, you've been through a lot and this <laughs> moment is so, so great. I, I'm honestly, it's been one of my favorite ones to unpick because I think it can be a massive inspiration to people as well as like, you know, taking that step back and really analyzing if you want to get to where you want to get to, you've got to put that hard work in and you've got to, got to. you've got to, as you say, it's not that hard. You've just got to dedicate yourself to doing it. Love it. Okay, so on to your last sliding doors moment. So when I decided to quit my job after three years to pursue acting. So I love a good quitting moment. Um, I think that sometimes they can lead to our best experiences. So explain to us what job you were in and what made you decide to quit. So I... This, this is now like after drama school and I've moved back to Coventry because again, London's expensive, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I got this job at this energy company um, and I had many jobs, many roles in this energy company. Yeah. But the one that, there, there was two. I did call centre first and then I worked my way up and then I ended up becoming like the head of like this revenue protection um basically people who like fiddle with their meters anyways you don't need all that <laughs> the point is I, I i was so unhappy in that job because there was nothing creative about not a not an inch that of creativity nothing yeah it was spreadsheets emails uh team meetings rinse and repeat and i was like i don't know if i can do this um, and I remember speaking to my friend and I was like, I'm getting that acting bug again. Because at this point I'd kind of conceded to like, I just don't know if acting's going to happen for me. I'm not in London. I haven't been in London for the last four years. Like I just, this is going to be very hard. And I was speaking to my friend and she was like, um, if you have even like a matchstick fire left for acting, you should definitely pursue it. And when she said that, I was like, no, she's a hundred percent right. Like, there is still a little bit of fuel. Like the embers left. burning at it's the end. There. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, great. I uh, the I think we had this conversation on like a Tuesday. By Thursday, I'd handed in my resignation. I wrote really? it on the company computer. That's how <laughs> that's how over it I was. I handed it in, and um, I didn't you basically I didn't have to give them a month's notice because one of the ladies who had gone on maternity leave had come back um in my contract it was like you have to give a month's notice if, if there's nobody else to fulfill your roles mm -hmm. and they have to rehire but she was there cool so I gave them a week's notice and in a week I had left to, to nothing you didn't have anything else lined up nothing not a drop nothing and just was that me. scary or liberating liberating best yeah. thing I've ever done um and it reminded me of the girl from uni it reminded me of the four-year-old who came here from Zimbabwe it remind it reminded me of like that unapologetic I'm gonna do something crazy everybody's gonna look at me like I'm doing something crazy but I feel good about it I'm at peace with this decision um and I never went back to corporate work ever again wow. so from there I my parents set up a business and I helped them set it up um, once they had set that up, we went into pandemic, uh, their business kept running. I started making content. 
Oh, so this was quite like recent-ish. Yes. So this is basically what propelled you into kind of the whole online social media, creativity, where you are now. This is brilliant because it's, you know, you don't get reward without risk. And I think Mm -hmm. we've all been in the position where we've been in a job and we absolutely hate it. And listen, not everyone's in the situation where we can just quit. We've got bills to pay. But I think if you are and you know deep down that you are meant for something else, you sometimes can't put half and half into things. Sometimes you need to get rid of the negative stuff that's pulling you down to kind of bring that positivity out. And do you really believe then if you hadn't have quit that job, it never would have propelled you? Or I mean, I'm sure you would have quit at at some point. But do you think maybe you could have got down a bit of a rabbit hole and then it may have like, I don't know, turned into something else? Yes, because I I started saying speech like, oh, I think for company growth, we should, why am I worried about your company growth? (laughs) It's so true. That's insane. This company is not my grandfather's. I have no vested interest in it. I don't care about company growth. Um, But I found myself like speaking like a corporate head and I, I hate, I I didn't like it. Um, and, And I think also like with that moment for me, like you said, it's so liberating, but it's not a decision that everyone can make. Mm-hmm. I was living at home. I wasn't paying any bills. I had parents who were really supportive of me, understood what my dream was. Um, and I had, I, I, it was a sweet spot for me to do that. It was the right time for me yes, to do that. That's also timing timing it was the right time for me to do it. if I had done that two years prior it wouldn't have been the right time because I wouldn't have had that that fire to then go and pursue the acting and the this and the that because you're not at your point of frustration yet you have to kind of almost get to that point yeah. for it to click Definitely. And your friend as well. Like we all, I think sometimes have that catalyst, whether it's a person or a moment that happens. And has this really helped you then when you make decisions like now? So when we do make these decisions that is gut or it's, you know, just a feeling that we have, do these experiences help you now? So when you are doing something that doesn't feel right, that you don't want to, does it give you the confidence that you've done this before and you know it'll work out if it's meant to? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say what I have learned in the last 10 years about myself will be the tools that I use for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's faith, whether that's tenacity, whether that's discipline, it's just, no one said life's going to be easy. You're never going to get to a point where you're like, oh my God, I'm so... Never, I'm, but we, we still never. think we will, but it never will never. happen. It's never going to happen. And it's not meant to happen because if you do that, you may as well die because that's what <laughs> yeah. complacency is. Mm-hmm. Life is supposed to be lived. It's it's this confusing amalgamation of all these weird, weird things. So for me, it's like, I now know that yes, life is complicated, but I also know that I'm going to land on my feet. And I think having both beliefs until you believe in yourself that you're going to be okay, no matter what happens, even if it means you go on a pause from the dream career, even if it means you're, you have children, even if I, you just know you're going to land on your feet. That is enough to push you through to that dream. Yes. And I was, I was able to learn that at quite a young age, I would yeah. say, because a lot of people learn it much, much later. 
Oh, Sorel, I could talk to you for ages about all of this, honestly. (laughs) Your moments have been brilliant. I've loved talking to you. I think you've had, as you said, you've had such a fruitful life and you've been, you know, you've worked so hard to get to where you are today. And I'm so excited to keep watching you climb that mountain and see where things go. Good luck with the TV series. And yeah, just thank you for joining me today. Oh my God, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And like I said, I love a deep chat. So if you get me started, I won't stop. Don't worry, we'll (laughs) do a part two. (laughs) Thanks so much, Sorel. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.